You're listening to Strictly Anonymous on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chains. Here are your hosts, Kathy Kay and Tommy. Hey, welcome to Strictly Nerds Podcast with Kathy. If you uh, want to follow the Strictly Anonymous podcast on Twitter, follow the show at Strictly Anonymous or follow me at Cartoon Therapy. Um, if you could write a review for my show, write a review. Someone wrote a review recently. Thanks for that. Some people write reviews in other countries, um, but I, I can't see them because it's like different iTunes stores, whatever. But thanks for writing reviews when you do write them. They really uh, help the show. So that's great. Uh, what else? If you want to be on my show, send me an email at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. This is a call and advice show where I talk to total strangers about their secret lives, their private lives, their interesting lives, and uh, their problems. And I try to help them because that's what I like to do. <laughs> I like to shove my opinions down people's throats. That's why I can never, people would be like, oh, you like to help people. You should have been a therapist. It's like, no way. Therapists are not allowed to tell you what to do. Do you know that? Like, the, your therapist just has to listen to you. I don't like to just listen. I like to kind of tell people what to do. <laughs> so if you're looking for some hardcore advice, I could give it to you. Or if you just want a place where you want to, uh, where you can, uh, like I said, talk about your secret life or your interesting life that you lead that uh, nobody knows about, and you want to do it in a place that's... Uh, totally anonymous, you could call into my show, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Today I have a guy named TJ who wrote into the show. Uh, He had wrote in the show saying he was like a swinger and he went to Club Relate, which is this woman, Linda's uh, swingers club who I had on my show. And he said he had all these kinds of stories to tell. Um, and I was like, great, I'm going to have you on the show. And, uh, I did. And then we started talking and yeah, we talk all about his swinging experiences. He did some stuff with a wife. He did some stuff behind a girlfriend's back. He slept with some escorts. He did some stuff. Um, but then what happened was like the whole podcast took like this turn because eventually TJ admitted to me that he's got like some kind of getting it up problem. When he was younger, it would happen to him. And it was obviously a mental issue at that time. But as he got older, it became like a physical issue. There's a physical reason why he can't get it up now. Um, And so we talk all about that. This guy has gotten penile implants. He's uh and he's been and he's been with women. He still likes to be with women because he loves their bodies and he loves to pleasure them, but he can't really get it up. So we talk a lot about that. I felt really bad for him because I didn't know that this was a part of his story. Like I said, it kind of came out of left field. Um, I have a feeling because it is a physical thing that happens to a lot of people when they get older that there's probably people that are listening well, that will be listening to this episode uh, that can totally relate. And I don't know, I felt so bad for him because I was just like, this can't be accepted. Like, you just can't accept this. So if any doctors are listening to this episode or anybody who's been in the same position as TJ and they've like cured their erection problems um, after you listen to this thing, just can you send me an email and let me know how you did that? Because I really want to help TJ because I think life's too short not to like be enjoying sex, right? That's what I think. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I'm going to read right back on with TJ. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone? To anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous. Hey, TJ. Uh, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. How are you doing today? You're on with Kathy. 
Uh, thank you very much. I'm uh, excited and a little nervous to talk with you, but I've been looking forward to this for a while, so let's do this. Okay, cool. Listen, there's nothing to be nervous. So many people, it's weird because a lot of people do email me ahead of time and they'll be like, I'm nervous. Some people will be like, I want to have a drink before. And then like the minute you're talking to me for more than a couple of minutes, you'll feel very comfortable. Appreciate that. Okay, cool. So, so TJ, this is the deal with you. I don't know that much. And that's how I actually like to prefer to get on a call with somebody I prefer to like to know as little as possible. And all I know about you is that you actually um, went to Club Relate, which is, uh, I had on a woman named Linda Gale recently on my podcast who talked about uh, swinging and her swingers club that she started actually so like let's start with club relate i mean is that the first time you started swinging or were you always a swinger before that well i actually don't qualify as a swinger because my only experience with club relate has been as a single man okay and, um i the uh, girlfriend I'm with now and was with at the time I went to Club Relate the second time, but uh, she didn't go with me. She does, does not know I went because she would not have approved. Oh, okay. So you do this stuff like on the down low. Yeah. So you're a cheater, would you say? <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but but I'm I'm a little kinder to myself. I say that uh, I, I actually believe in polyamory and, yes. um, and it would be perfectly fine with me if any of the women I'm with had sex with other guys. It's just that for some reason I have tended to hook up with women who don't like to share. And, uh, since I didn't have much luck finding partnership in the polyamory community, I just sort of caved and said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll limit myself and then end up cheating every once in a while. Right, which is what a lot of people do. But you, is that why you had how many wives? You said two? Two. I mean, my, did you? My second okay. divorce was 1992. So I've been single for quite a while. So you just decided after the second one, like, you're not going to do that again, the whole marriage thing. I tend to suck at it, so no, I don't think I'll do that again. <laughs> did you get divorced because you were cheating? I mean, were you like a hardcore cheater, or did that start like no, later no, in life? No, that, that wasn't even an issue, and as a matter of right. fact, in the second uh, marriage, uh, mm -hmm. uh, she had been married before, and uh, she credited the survival of her first marriage as long as it did because they opened it up. And uh, we got together in 1981, and and she always said she wanted an open relationship. And I thought, Yahtzee, I've hit the jackpot. Yeah. Uh, and then the AIDS crisis hit, and she said, nope, shut it down. No more outside people. But you did have some outside people with her? Yes. Or no? Oh, you yes. did? So you and guys fact, opened it up. And in yeah. fact, with her at one time. Uh, mm -hmm. Just on one other occasion, we played with uh, another couple, but and that was pretty hot. But um, it, she she stopped it after that. Oh wow! So maybe it wasn't as great for her because you would think, though, like you know, if somebody sort of went there, right, and it was the, something that they experienced, and it was like really something that they were into, like they wouldn't be able to stop, right? Because sometimes, like, good sex is like so. You know, it's got like a pull, right? Like you oh, would think. Are you kidding? Absolutely, it's stronger than uh, the need for food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It can make you do. It can make you stay with fucked up people. It makes people do crazy things, right? Like if you're like sexually attracted to somebody, even though you know they're just like the biggest assholes, like you can't help it, right? <laughs> it just goes against your better judgment. So obviously, for her, she was like, it wasn't really totally her thing. So you guys shut that down, and then you stayed no, no. She was divorced. just a, she was just afraid of AIDS. That that overrode her uh, need for variety and in, in her. I could see life. that. I was like a hypochondriac back in the day, and I was always like, I got paranoid around that time. So I totally get that, you know. So you guys got divorced. That had nothing to do with it. So how do you get involved in that whole community as a single guy? I mean, like, were you? You know, because you said at one point you went to Club Relate when you had the second girlfriend, right? And the first time you went, you were single? Nobody yeah, the else? first time I went, I was single and with nobody. And the second time I went, I had an opportunity to go to Florida. And I was in a dating relationship with somebody else and just didn't tell her about it. 
Right. Well, what got you started in that whole world? I mean, I, I saw the um, HBO Real Sex special on Club Relate. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, wow, this is cool. And I did some research and right. I uh, found the website and I got in touch with Linda Gale and found out uh, when a party was going to be. And uh, when I was in Florida for a scuba diving trip, it coincided with a weekend they were going to have a party, and I signed up, and boy, am I glad I did. It was just a wonderful experience. The second time, um, I uh, had uh, I was going to be out of town anyway and going mm-hmm. to Florida, and um, I timed it. Uh, kind of explicitly to match up with a club relay party so I could go again. Right, because the first time was so good. Because the first time was so terrific, and uh, and I did that. And, I, boy, I really regret that I don't live close enough to be a regular. Right, and there's no places around where you are from now? Well, there might be, but um, I'm... I'm dating in a dating relationship with a woman whom I see only on the weekends and all the parties are on weekends and right. she doesn't share. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, in this area, I'm sure there are a lot of sex parties. I'm, I'm just, I'm not available locally. Right. I hear you. But now you say that these women that you've been with since in your most of your wives, like they have not been open to sharing. Do you actually put it on the table or do you just know that they're not like, do you have conversations with them and they're like, no fucking way? No, I put it on the table. As a matter of fact, uh, my current girlfriend and I met online and it was in my online profile. And Mm -hmm. uh, she messaged me anyway and said, you know, at some point during our conversations, oh, by the way, you you might be Polly, but I don't share. And it was Mm -hmm. my decision to say, okay, let's keep going out. Right. So, and I think polyamorous is a much more nicer way of saying, like, I don't want to be sexually monogamous with one person, right? No, for me, my understanding of polyamory is that uh, it's the acknowledgement that we can be emotionally in love with more one, more than one other. Oh, more right, than one person that's at, the one, at a time. Right, and, I've had those couples on. And that's true for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether there's sex or not is really secondary. Even though most of the culture hears polyamory and they think swingers. Yeah, yeah, I got confused. I've had I've had other people with other names. There's like polyamory. There's a lot of other amory things. But yeah, I've had those polyamorous people where I'm always like, I don't get it because I'm like, I could barely love one person, let alone three. Like, you know, but it is, I, I get that it could be possible. Is it something that like, do you realize it was possible or something you're into because you were like maybe with somebody and then you start to have an affair with somebody else and then you realize you like both of them and you're like, okay, this is something that is doable. And then after having experienced that, you're just like open to it again. Absolutely. Or is it, yeah. And when did you start having like, when was like your first affair that you were like living like the double life? Like, was it with your first wife or... Um, yeah, it was with my first wife after she shut it down for AIDS. I was in graduate school, and I felt really close to one of my graduate school classmates. And um, we we had a lot of very emotionally intense connections around uh, the grad school experience. And uh, we had sex a couple of times, but uh, my wife... Uh, found out about it and I stopped the affair. So she found out that you were with the woman. How did she find out? She saw an email somewhere uh, that uh, I think I had printed out and thrown in the trash. She would have had to have gone through the trash to find it. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you too, like, you know, Cause like, I feel like certain women and I'm totally wired this way that like, if I met a guy and he was like, listen, this is what I'm into. And he put it on the table right from the beginning. And I, and if I said like, no, I'm not into that, you know, and and then he said, okay, forget it. I won't be polyamorous. I'll just be monogamous with you in the back of my mind. I would be like, how is this person going to be like, I don't know that I'd be able to trust that person. Right. Because exactly. Uh, And rightfully so. I mean, the the prescription in the polyamory community is for crying out loud, date your own (laughs) species. 
Exactly. And right. the problem is that the number of people who admit to being open to polyamory is so small compared to the ones who default to uh, our cultural standard of mm-hmm. uh, monogamy, yeah. even though the divorce statistics and all of that show exactly. that very few people actually live up to it. Exactly. That's Most the people are not monogamous, right? Monogamy and, doesn't work. Yeah, right. and um, and people, it, it's a it's a nuclear event in a relationship. It it destroys so many relationships when uh, one other person happens to put their genitals in the wrong place. Yeah, totally. But I do think that there is a big difference between putting your genitals someplace else and having an emotional relationship. And I think like you pointed out before, there's a very big difference, right? You know, so like, that's what I mean. Like, it's it's hard enough to trust somebody if they're just going to be fucking somebody else. But maybe somebody could wrap their head around that because you know what men just like variety, but like, at least, you know, they're emotionally sort of committed to you. But when there's somebody that's like, I don't just want to fuck other people, but I also want to get emotionally involved. I think it takes a certain, like you say, what was that saying? I really like that saying, like, whatever you do, make sure you date your own breed or whatever. Yeah, it's like, date your own you know, species. It takes a, yeah, your species. It, I was going to say breed, but like, you know, there there has, like, there's that certain kind of person that could be, that is totally secure enough for that. Because I think I'd be secure enough. To, the sex thing, I, I think, you know, to not have ownership over somebody sexually is where I'd like to be in my life because I think that the, who fucking cares? You know, it's just sex and after you're with someone for a long time, whatever. But well, emotional thing I think is more difficult no I know I know but I think it takes a while to get to that okay like in a relationship and that's a whole other thing that we don't have to talk about because I want to get more personal with you about your life but I think you know taking it to the second level where like that person not only wants to fuck other people but they're going to be emotionally involved with somebody else that's a scary thing because if you have an emotional connection with somebody right to know that they're going to have an emotional connection like with somebody else but still stay with you what is that guarantee and i think what is underneath everyone's distrust is like a massive fear of abandonment right of course and, and, so that's and it what really you is about. out of fear and insecurity. Mm-hmm, and even totally. though you think you may have a guarantee of a commitment, how many of us find out that they really don't? Nobody ever does, right? Really. Exactly. That's, so why mm-hmm. not face that fact in the beginning? Yeah, but you've never been able to really be polyamorous. You, how old are you, by the way? 68. Yeah, see, that's you got to date 23-year-olds. Like, just so you know, what I have found doing my podcast, I'm 48, right? So I'm from a different generation too. But like, I got to say that this new generation, the people in their 20s, there's a, they're like, you are ahead of your time. Like, I always say this to myself, like, I wish I was like 20 years old in this day and age, because it's a very different sort of thing. Younger people are much more open to different kinds of relationships than older people, right? Because they're just, it's just a different time. And don't you know, do you notice that at all? I mean, I notice it because I do my show. Well, maybe, but I think for me, it's more about my personal psychology. And um, and, and I'm, my situation is different from a lot of other people's. Um, for instance, I focus, I, I see the fact that when you make a monogamous commitment to somebody else, when I make a monogamous commitment to somebody else, I am promising that I'm going to fulfill all their needs and a significant fraction of their wants. And that mm-hmm. I, the idea of having to make that commitment scares the hell out of me. I, w- I mm-hmm. want them to be able to get their needs and wants met, regardless of whether it's from me or not, because I care about them and I want them to be happy. Uh, and and I have enough of a personal lifelong feeling of inadequacy that I am not going to be able to do all that, that I don't put myself above and say, oh, I'm going to carry you away and I'll be everything you ever need and you need, need never look at another guy. Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast 
at gmail.com or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Right. So you feel like it would be like it would take the load off your back to be like, listen, go get some of those needs met someplace else so I could feel adequate. (laughs) And if that weren't enough, it's actually a turn on for me to watch women I care about get fucked by other guys. Yeah, that's an that's something I learned too on my show. That's a lot of people. That's what a lot of people are into. So tell me about your stories then. So because I mean, it's not like you've only had these experience at Club Relate. You went there twice. I know that you said you had these other stories that you have, and you like to watch people fuck other people. So obviously, you've done other kinds of things, either behind your wife's back or during this t- this time that you've been single. Like, what's your deal? Like, how far have you taken, or how open are you? Well, I consider myself uh, pretty open, and I have been in um, a number of uh, sexual experiences, but for me, uh, the ones that are really important are the um, personal, impactful connections I have made that Mm -hmm. really get to me and and hit me where I live. And there have been a number of those that that are... all the other generic stuff about the culture and everything just kinds of fall just kind of falls away. These particular experiences with particular women uh, were were ones that I carry in my memory as as uh, the most important some of the most important times in my life. So it was because you were in love with them. That's what you're talking about. They had that emotional connection. Well, Is that what you mean? Uh, in in the two most significant cases, I didn't have time to be in love with them. Um, I was very much in lust with them. And okay, so describe th- the first experience with the girl that made you realize that this this experience sort of existed. I was in a graduate school program that had meetings uh, a few times a year in uh, in in different locations, and the one where they had the meeting twice a year happened to be an old converted nunnery in California. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. <laughs> that, um, and and I had been a student for a while, so I was uh, one of the uh, teachers in a class about uh, telling new new applicants what the program was like, mm-hmm. and one of the new applicants just hit me to my core the instant I saw her. Um, My understanding now is that um, she may have some borderline personality disorder, and and those people (laughs) really get under your skin very quickly. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's so funny. (laughs) But um, the the sleeping arrangements over the week uh, we were together were... Uh, that people were assigned to these rooms that used to be nuns' cloisters. Uh-huh. And um, after the first class uh, where the woman was in the class and I did part of the teaching, uh, she sat on my lap and she was very flirtatious with me. And I thought, boy, here we go. And we ended up spending three consecutive nights together um, just fucking all night. I was mm-hmm. just amazed at. Uh, and this is the girl. Is this when you were married to your first wife? Yes. Okay. But this now, was, was this before, before after she had shut it down for uh, the, the age issue? Okay, so, so you were open to. You were allowed to be doing this. Yeah, I, okay. I, I had permission. For okay, this cool. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, we apparently, <laughs> we made enough noise that the people on the rooms on both sides of us confronted me the next day and said, 
you guys made that room sound like a cheap motel all night, and I couldn't get any sleep. Oh, my God. <laughs> what I was thinking was, well, I hope you jerked off at least while you listened to us, but I didn't say that, and and, uh-huh. it, and it did not stop me from continuing. I just needed Sarah for as long as I could get her, and um, so for three nights, we went at it, and then she went home to her side of the country, and I went home to my side of the country, and I've never seen her in person again. All right, I'm a little, right, okay, so, but you, because what are you talking about when you said they're like those experiences that are like uh, different than anything else? Like, what do you mean by that? Well, that one was different than anything else for me, because I had never <laughs> had anything like that. Okay, cool, right, because it was just that really hot insane chemistry with somebody that you feel like when you first meet them. And I think everybody has probably experienced that. Some people well, fuck uh, those people. Some people don't fuck those people. But if you fuck those people, it's always really good. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I have that experience with the intense lust and connection very seldom. And this was, uh, I guess pretty much the only time where it, actually ended up with having sex and consummating it. Um, right. Another uh, another situation that I had a similar, really strong connection with someone, again, where I was married to my first wife, and again, when it was during the time when it was okay, was that I was invited to the birthday party of a college classmate, and her across-the-street neighbor showed up. And I was speechless when I saw this woman. I mm-hmm. simply could not function. I couldn't even look at her face. I felt such intense pull toward her. I, I remember watching her uh, feet in her cute little mom uh, sneakers <laughs> for mm-hmm. a while mm-hmm. until I was able to talk to her. But um, eventually I was able to work up the nerve to talk to her and discovered that the feeling was mutual and I couldn't believe it. Uh-huh. Uh, she was married in a in a monogamous relationship, but it wasn't very happy and her husband traveled a lot. So on uh, two nights I drove to her house to um to be her lover and in both cases something that's been a lifelong issue for me ever since my first experience of intercourse uh-huh. hit me again with a vengeance and that was I simply could not get hard for the life of me. Really? Yeah. With and, her. And the more I care about a woman, the more difficult it is for me to get an erection in the early uh sexual opportunities we have. Mm-hmm. When and, did, have you ever figured that why? Uh no, I have not. Okay. Uh, in spite of the fact that I've done a lot of therapy, <laughs> and, uh-huh. um, and I just I don't have an explanation for it, but but the that more, tends to the go more away. I care, the harder it is to get it up until I've been with somebody for a while, and then okay. I start to respond. And in this case, with this woman, I just couldn't do anything the first night. I was so frustrated and so disappointed, and I went home, and I could jerk off. I did get hard ah. when I jerked. <laughs> Right when you were sort of a, a, apart from her, yeah. yeah, that's like a yeah, that's like an issue, like a and, mental. And thing. the second yeah. time I went back, uh, it, it was very late at night, and we were together. I couldn't get hard again, and her uh, young daughter came in from woke up and came in and said, "Mommy, who's that?" <laughs> and uh, oh god, and she said, uh, um, she just she passed it off as somebody she put the girl back to bed and came back to me and said, we can't do this anymore. And as, and as if to put icing on that cake, when I went to my car, there were cops waiting for me. I had parked my car around the corner, and and the person in the house next to which I had parked called it in as a suspicious car. So I oh had God, to explain the cops, to the cops what I was doing in the neighborhood. It said, uh, don't worry, I won't be back, and I never did go back. And oh I'm still God. friends with that person. We still uh, connect with each other almost daily, but we never mm-hmm. did consummate the relationship. 
So that didn't have a happy ending, but there was that intense kind of thing. And maybe it was just too intense that it, I don't know, that it even like equaled you out. I don't no, know. No, it doesn't have to be it. that intense. It, it's every single time with a new person. I had my very first opportunity for intercourse uh, was when I was a college sophomore. I was 20 years old already. And, um, my girlfriend, it became obvious when I had my girlfriend in my dorm room one afternoon that um, she wasn't going to stop me as I was continuing right. to escalate the makeout session. Uh huh. And all I had in my head were, were the words, she's letting me do it. She's letting me do it. She's letting yeah. me do it. And then I couldn't for the life of me get hard. Right. And and I jerked off furiously trying to get hard and actually had an orgasm and an ejaculation through a completely limp dick. Oh, wow. Well, that's good. Yeah, well, no, it wasn't good. So is that and, as good as then, you uh, a little while later, I was able to get an erection and have intercourse with her, but it was so frustrating. I didn't have any problems with erections with her after that. But that first time was very traumatic for me. Yeah, you might be just very in your head about it. I feel like women are more wired that way. But maybe if you're like a thinker, you know, that kind of person, like maybe you're just very in your head about sex the first time you're with somebody. Too much so, you know? Yeah, I'm, uh, it's almost certainly true. Um because women, I think that's what happens with a lot of women sometimes, right? Um, they're a little bit more self-conscious. Like, it's a different experience being a woman, and I think that they think a lot sometimes, and so it's a little bit harder. And then the more they feel comfortable with somebody and they feel relaxed, they, you know, they could let go of the their mind, you know? And because really, you need to not be in your head to have sex, right? So, uh, you know, that's probably all that it is, because it goes away for you. Yeah. It's just, and like you even just said, I was thinking, oh my God, she's letting me. It's like you were thinking instead of just doing. <laughs> and then you were able to get do it. Unfortunately, that other lady, you never went back after her daughter, but like you probably would have been able to get it up with her after, right? Well, at some point, eventually, I would hope so. Right. But I mean, you have been, you've been able to like have wives and girlfriends and like, how long have you been with the girlfriend now that you're with now? Uh, for 12 years. Oh, 12 years. So just never wanted to get married because you've been married two times before. There's no open relationship. Do you cheat on her every now and then or at all? Have you cheated on this one? Uh, just to go to Club Relate and to uh, on two other occasions, I uh, booked a session with an escort when I was traveling. Right. Uh, two times the same person or two different, I'm assuming two different escorts, right? Like you just No, no, same person. Because I, oh, I was in person. the same city both times. And I liked her the first time, so I booked her again the second time. Can you get it up with the escort? No. But, so the first... But, but at that point, I've got another complication going on. In 1989, I was diagnosed with diabetes. And, oh, that's a and, thing. Uh -huh. uh, at some point, I lost the ability to have erections at all. I mean, I haven't yeah. been able to get hard for a long time. Uh -huh. And and so during all those times, um, uh, it just never was going to happen anyway, and I knew it, but I wanted to explore a new body and play and see if I could help her come. As a matter of fact, the very first time I went to Club Relate was uh, uh, the weekend before... I was scheduled to have uh, a botched penile implant removed. Mm -hmm. That I had done all the. What the fuck is that? What's the uh, implant? I had like to make the your therapy, dick bigger? Uh, I had taken uh, Viagra and Cialis. All that did was give me a headache. I mm -hmm. I was prescribed the injections of Cabraject in the penis, and all that did was create scar tissue and make my penis take a weird bend to the left. It, it looked really oh strange. Oh that God. took months and months and months of taking huge pills six times a day to correct. And the only other treatment was a penile implant. They put an inflatable, two inflatable balloons inside your penis with a little spherical pump in your scrotum. It feels like you have a third testicle. And you mm -hmm. just squeeze the pump over and over again to inflate those balloons. Mm -hmm. And uh, then it makes your dick hard. Makes it makes it hard enough for penetration. I mean, it's not as hard as it would be, okay, um, uh, naturally. But 
the surgeon who did this, um, uh, I, sh- I should have guessed, he was Asian, and Asian men never have this operation. So, <laughs> so I don't know why I didn't get a second opinion or go with somebody else. This guy was covered by my insurance. And yeah. the balloons weren't centered inside my penis. The tips were right against the skin, and I was afraid that rubbing on the skin at those points, uh, they were going to break through. It would rub the skin off. So... I, I scheduled the operation to have it removed, but I went to the club relay, my first club relay party the weekend before that removal surgery. So Linda Gale called it my coming out party. My penile yeah. implant is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and did it work? Was it good? Uh, it, uh, I didn't have intercourse with anyone at that party, but uh, I had a wonderful time and um, my this worked okay. I had an orgasm, but from masturbation, not from intercourse. Right. And then, so you got that removed. Eventually. I got it removed. Oh, my God. And so God. now there's no chance of any erections unless I go back and have some other implant put in. But since uh, my girlfriend went through menopause and lost all her sexual desire when she went through menopause, she has no interest in any kind of sex ever again. So um, I really have the had an excuse couple. to have another <laughs> implant put in. And what about you? Do you have desires, but just don't like physically? You can't sort of. I have get desire. Them? I can orgasm, but it takes a long time of masturbation, typically about two hours, and I typically oh, can't God. have. Uh, orgasms more than about once a week. Um, I just jerk off to porn and watch cam girls on the internet. This is a very, this is very sad, TJ. Wait a oh, second. So it's you don't think? sad. Yeah. So, and it's so interesting that you like, do you think that the whole getting it a problem all your life with these women, like f- from the beginning, like in the beginning had to do with your diabetes or do you think it had to do with something else? Cause it's, no, it's, it started, it started when I was 20 years old. I didn't get diagnosed with diabetes till I was 40. So there were 20 know, years when uh, diabetes wasn't an issue and I still had the problem. Right, you just had the problem in the beginning, but then you were always fine. And then when you got diabetes, that's when it kicked in even worse. No, well, I was fine for a long time after the diagnosis, the diabetes. and right. then uh-huh. eventually it it killed my ability to have an erection as the blood vessels got damaged by all the extra blood sugar. Oh my God, is there anything, have you Googled like crazy about this? Is there anything you could do about that to reverse that? Nothing to reverse it. Uh, the best I can do is try to slow the uh, inexorable march of it by keeping my blood sugars in, under control. But nothing to reverse it, and uh, the only remaining treatment to me would be another penile implant. But since my girlfriend has no interest Doesn't in want to fuck anyway, me, right, she yeah. would wonder, why are you getting this? <laughs> Right, exactly. And so and so when you get the escort, it's just because in your mind, you still get horny and you're still interested in sex, kind of, right? So you still I, go there. I absolutely love women's bodies and I love helping women come. And it, it's worth some money to me just to be able to explore a body who's willing to touch and be touched by me and, and allow me to help her come if I can. And you don't, but don't you miss coming yourself? Absolutely. I miss it horribly. Oh my God. If there's a doctor listening, I feel like there's, I don't know. It's very hard for me to believe ever in life that like, like, you know, like anything that's like, like you say, like there's just no way you could reverse it. Like there has to be, I am sure there are people that have diabetes that all of this stuff went away and then somehow they got it back don't you think it has to be i just can't believe sometimes that it's like and you have to be the one you have to be in that group like i don't know that's the way i look at things like i would it would just be unacceptable it's unacceptable yeah i appreciate don't you think no, but um, you don't. Have you Googled like crazy? Like, are there people out there that have oh, diabetes yeah, and that I are have like a I, really excellent 
urologist, a lovely woman whom I love, and she cares about me and really wants me to be happy. And she uh, says, well, if you ever decide you want to do it, I've got the perfect guy to send you to. For and the penile just let implant. me know um, for but another so does, implant. Yeah. yeah, but let me ask you this. Does the penile implant solve all those problems? Like you get the penile implant and then you feel sensation, you get aroused, you could have an orgasm. No, the penile implant only allows penetration. Everything else is uh, is not affected by the penile implant. So I would expect it to still take yeah, me so forever to have an orgasm and still I would yeah, have a problem having an orgasm more than once a week. Yeah, that's not the solution. Forget about that. That's not it. That's the last thing that you need. What you need is to get that sensation back. You need to get, like, you know what I mean? Like, there has to be people out there. Like, and if anyone's listening and, like, is a success story, like, because I don't know, I can't believe that it's not reversible. Like, what is the actual physical thing that happened with, because I don't have diabetes, so I don't know. I dated a guy once who had diabetes, and he told me he had all these things like, oh, if I eat too much ice cream, I can't get it. And I just thought it was like weird. I didn't understand it, but obviously this is the thing, right? It's like you said, the blood sugar ruined the nerves. Like, is it that you lose nerves, and yes, then they can't the, ever come back? Yeah, the, the condition is called peripheral neuropathy, and I have had yeah. it for a long time, and it also destroys capillaries for blood flow. Uh, and, the, and the two things in combination are just a killer for erection. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Is there any, because I have heard like a chiropractors, like, I mean, I don't know. If I were you, I'd be Googling like mad to find like alternative sort of solutions. Because we all know, listen, doctors could tell you one thing and your diabetes doctor could tell you another thing. But like people have blinders on a lot of the times, right? Yeah. I don't really believe in listening to any one person because there's probably somebody out there. There has to be. I have to know, believe that there's somebody out there that has been able to be successful to, I don't know, figure it out in a way. Because I'm sorry, like everybody that has diabetes eventually just lose the ability to like have any kind of orgasm. Why aren't people like, I don't know, you know, trying to figure that out because that's a really bad thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think it it, it doesn't necessarily happen to everybody. It just happened to me. Yeah, and it's like the weird thing is is that you always had that issue, right? Like with women and then it turned out that physically it's like you had it it, had it happen hardcore. I don't know. I need for you. I need for you to reverse this. I feel like it's like a bl- it's like a block. It's like something. There has to be a way. Don't you feel like that, or do you uh, just well, have you really just given into it? There were, and I'm getting really demoralized and discouraged by now. Because of what? Because of you jerk having to like every time you jerk off for two hours, right? I mean, yeah, I rub myself raw and still can't come. Oh my god. That's terrible. And listen, I get the whole, I'm in perimenopause, I think. I want to do a podcast called peri-fucking-menopause. I mean, it's like awful. And like my sex drive is going away and I'm like ready to go on bioidentical hormones to get that back because I don't even think women should be leaving living sexless for, like it's one thing when people died at 60, you know what I mean? And so big deal, the last 10 years you just relax and you don't have any more sex. But like people are living a lot longer and to go like 30 years without getting, like having pleasure, right? Because like sex is like food or like any other other pleasure in life it's really great right it's like I don't want to give that up for my life after I go through the changes you know and I feel like now that we're living longer uh these things are created and helpful so that people can I don't think women should accept the fact that they're sexless I know that they just feel that way but if she went on some hormones she'd get her sex drive back you know but you have to be the one because I think when you your sex drive goes out the window as a woman like you just don't want anything like you know um, but you still have that desire, right? Exactly. You have to figure it out. I mean, this podcast is ticking. It's like t- took a turn. Okay, Believe but me, that's I'll be okay. listening. <laughs> that's okay because I like this story. This is interesting to me because I didn't know that this happened with diabetes, and diabetes is so common. And you know, right? A lot of people have that. So there are people listening that have know exactly what you're talking about or either halfway there, 10% there or as bad as you are, right? Because you said it happened over time, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's everybody has... progressive. 
Right. So people that have diabetes have different variations or like, like, you know, some people might have a 10% or lost a little bit of their feeling, but they have the potential to lose a lot, right? I need somebody to call in and write in that knows the fucking cure for that. There's got to be, there's got to be something. You have to look at, at, talk to other people or something. I don't know. I'm putting the word out if anybody knows anything about this to email me. Like maybe you just got to eat cashews. Like, you know what I mean? Like it might be something, even like a, there's maybe they're like, nowadays with nerves and stuff like they have like lasers don't they and like it, chiropractors could do sh- things to, or to can't they zap nerves sometimes like have you looked really into it to try to figure out if there are ways alternative ways of getting the feeling back no but i have a really good chiropractor i will ask her and um you know i'd be willing to try acupuncture anything acupuncture things like that somebody else has uh, recommended a nutritional guy who would ply uh-huh. me with dozens of supplements and that kind of thing, but he's kind of geographically uh, undesirable. He's, he's right. far enough away that it, w- it would be hard for me to go to regular appointments or anything. Yeah, I hear you. But maybe with those kind of people, a lot of times, like you just go for the initial consultation, right? And they just rape you for all the money and then they just make you buy products from them and then you're fine. You could probably do it over the phone. Nowadays, people do things via Skype and all that kind of stuff. So you could probably hook that shit up where you just do one time with that nutritionist, just talk to him, see if it makes sense. Because listen, not everybody that like not, I'm not saying you just believe any crazy thing that somebody tells you, you know what I mean? A lot of times people don't know what the fuck they're talking about and they're going to waste your time. You know, you go, you have a consultation with that person and you, you talk to them and you see, but I mean, if I I were you if I were you I'd be googling like whatever the term whatever that title is of that disease that you have peripheral what was it called again oh uh, the, the, the what is the the actual name you called it, it started oh I peripheral neuropathy was what I said yeah you what have, affects you, the nerves yeah so you need to google that in quotes and then put in like people who have you know success stories people have four and then forum and just peripheral like, neuropathy recovery or something yeah, recovery, but, and always, I like to hear real people talking. I think most people in forums are out of their minds and you hear a lot of negative shit and stuff, but like, if you're a smart Googler and you have half a brain, like you Google smart, I think it's good. People always be like, don't Google. It's like, fuck you. Like, oh, I'm smart. I could Google and pick out the garbage and find the stuff that's good. And most stuff online is garbage, right? But you, you might find something, you know, and you have to like, just start trying shit. And if you Google that with like, you know, success stories or I, you know, got my nerves back for them. Like you're going to find some people out there. There have to be. I just will never believe that something is 100% like that's it. I don't know. I don't accept those kind of situations. I mean, listen, it, it, sometimes that is the truth, you know, but like you, you, as long as you're alive and as long as you're still horny, right? You're like being tormented. You, there's no reason why you shouldn't be trying everything you can to get it back. Forget about the implant. That's like your last thing. Like if you ever get all your feeling back and stuff, I think you will be able to get hard. So you won't even need the implant. I, as, if that implant just makes your, you could penetrate, but you still can't get hard. That's more demoralizing. Like what do you, what do you use demoralizing? Like it's just going to be worse. Why yeah, bother? Well, the trouble is the process of putting the implant in to destroy the corpus cavernosa that create the erection. So I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, I think you got to leave your dick alone with the whole thing because like what you did with it going south and then you had this in the like I mean there's a lot of stuff that has been going on in that area for you that area in your life has had like if there's I don't know like there's like there's always been stuff attached to it right you always had this kind of issue with having sex with women in the beginning and then it turned into a physical thing that went to the extreme right um, and you did all these things and they didn't go right and your dick went another. Like, I just think uh, it's time to like, uh, I don't know, change all that, but like, and fix it and write all of it. I don't know. Cause it just feels like a negative sort of vibe in that area of yours, <laughs> but you want to make it positive. It I want to make it negative to you. <laughs> it, no, it is. It is. Try ne- living isn't in it? my skin for a while. It's negative, right? <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you one more story about it? Sure. In the 1980s, while I was still married to my second wife and we were still open, I yeah. went to a professional conference, and um, it was in a center that had multiple different training tracks going on at once. And 
in the break area one time where multiple classes were having breaks, I met this spectacularly gorgeous woman. Mm -hmm. She happened to be on crutches, but, you know, that wasn't an issue for me. I didn't know why. Uh I didn't care. And I struck up a conversation over her making cups of herbal tea with her, and I decided I wanted to get to know her better. So... I asked her out to dinner, and she said, sure, and I was elated. <laughs> My God, <I'm, laughs> she's going to go out with me. Yeah. So we out, went out for a lovely um, Japanese dinner, and then afterward we did not want to part, so I drove us up into the mountains to a lookout point, and we spread a blanket on the hood of the rental car, and we lay there on the hood of the car, just talking and get to knowing each other, uh, getting to know each other under the, the most gorgeous stars I've seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And we were there until the wee hours of the morning before we both decided we've got to get some sleep because we need to be uh, functional in class the next day. And um, this was before the days of cell phones, but she knew. Uh, the people I was staying with. And when I got home after class that night, I got a phone call at their house for me. And it was this woman saying, look, uh, I, my my crutches are because I have lupus. I guess I had heard that already. I knew, knew yeah. about that. Uh, they were because she had lupus. She said, I have been celibate for two years, and I want you the, to be the one to break my sexual fast. Okay. Can you imagine what that was like to hear for me, one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen? So, yeah, especially with you in your head. Oh, my God. There's, yeah. no way you, there's no way you could get it up with her now. There's no and way I this story ends. And I did not warn her in advance. It did not <laughs> occur, me, occur to me to tell her. So I got the motel room, and I picked her up. We yeah. had another nice dinner. We went back to the motel room and started making out. Oh, my God. When she undressed, she was just... Uh, even more beautiful than I imagined, really big, gorgeous tits, and uh-huh. a beautiful hourglass figure. And when I touched her pussy, she was more wet than any other woman I had ever encountered. It was just heaven. And she reached for me, and I was soft. Mm-hmm. Oh, and God, I told right. her, uh-huh. oh, please, squeeze harder. <laughs> and she did, and I stayed mm-hmm. soft. And she turned off like a light switch. Right. She just completely shut down. Well, a lot of women take that personally, and they don't understand that it's not personal. I always try to tell my girlfriends, like, it, it, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, but a woman takes it personally. The story continues. Oh, okay. She went to the bed and lay down on her stomach with her legs closed and to this day, she has never spoken another word to me. I was furiously masturbating, trying to get hard to show her. I tried to explain to her, no, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you. This happens right. to me a lot. I, I eventually right. get her. It's not you. It doesn't have anything to yeah. do with you. Oh, one other thing I didn't tell you about her when she undressed, she had a very deep sur- surgical scar from her navel to the top of her pubic bone. And right. I think she was really self-conscious about of that. Course, of it course. It absolutely did not matter to me. Right, but obviously you were so into her. To her. Yeah. And eventually, after a long time of begging and jerking off, I actually got hard. So I mounted her and pushed my penis inside her, and I fucked her without active current consent. And that really has bugged me for the rest of my life. It is my what biggest you- sexual regret. What do you mean? Because she was like not into you anymore and she was like, get off me, but you're like, no, I'm going to fuck you she anyway. She did like, not what do you mean? say anything. She just lay still. <laughs> I was hoping that the fact I had an erection and proved it by going inside her would bring her around and have her get interested in me. Again. Yeah, but you but know what happened? Not. Listen, what happened was she was so in her head at that point 
feeling so terrible about herself, taking it so personal. And there you are that she couldn't recover from it. Do you understand? She went to all of her insecurities and she just couldn't snap out of it. I'm so what you. was it like for her to get fucked in that mind state? Uh, probably, you know, I, I like probably horrifying, but probably... She wasn't even that present for it. She was probably still the probably what was more horrifying was the fact that you couldn't get it up. And maybe like later that day when she went home, the fact that you could get it up uh, dawned on her and she felt a little bit better about the story. That's what I would think. Listen, she was into you. Okay, we spent the rest of the night together. I took her to breakfast in the morning. She spoke only to the waitress. She would not speak to me. A year (laughs) later, we were at another conference, and I saw her, and I asked her, "Uh, please, you know, give me a chance to talk. Tell me something. How are you feeling? She would not speak a word, and that was the last time I saw her. So as far as I know, she still feels extraordinarily shitty about that whole encounter. Yeah, but she felt shitty the minute you couldn't get it up. That's when she right. shut down. It wasn't right. from you fucking her. It was that you cause it was because you couldn't fuck her in the beginning. That was well, it. And that was yeah. her own thing. That was but, her own but see, thing. I'm, she, I'm feeling like uh, essentially I raped her because I didn't have consent right then. And and that I have never done anything like that. I was so desperate to prove that I was functioning okay and and get her reengaged. That uh, it didn't even occur to me. Look, you don't have consent. You can't do this. Okay, this is why you have a. This is why you have negativity in your penis area. Okay, because of the this kind of thinking okay it is it's very um and it's interesting because that time you were able to get it up and it had such a negative ending that story that of course you could never do it again like I mean that was like the worst situation to happen to somebody like you because that only made your problem 10 times worse and the fact that you carry with you this feeling of raping somebody like I think is very hardcore I think you need to reframe that story because I think that that does not help your dick feeling at all I think it only yeah and I think that but I think you like I said I think you frame that situation improperly in your brain and it has affected you and you need to reframe it so either you need a new therapist that'll help you do stuff like that or you should start talking to your therapist more about stuff like that because it there could be mental reasons like you know that this is also happening besides the physical do you know what i mean well i i think it's mostly mental Especially since it started at age 20 when my body was in the best shape it would ever have been. Right. And now you've just picked like your body somehow. It's like that mind-body connection has picked some sort of physical thing that you could blame it on. That makes sense. It's like back pain. You know, I believe totally in that whole Dr. Sarno thing. Like, you know, that people will be like, oh, I have a slip disc, so it gives me this pain. And like, you know, but it's all fucking bullshit. It's like mind-body stuff, you know. So you have this specific sort of physical thing that you could correlate it to and say, look, this is what it is. And so then it just helps you sort of avoid what the real problem is. But I think you might need to go deeper into the psychological thing. I mean, if somebody still wants to email me about the physical stuff that could help you, I think no matter what you do, you got to get over this the, the these these thoughts in your your mind and the way you have thought about things that have happened to you because yeah. it's wrong. That girl, you did not rape her. She was. I don't think she would tell that story and say she was raped. I, she would have just stood up and been like, "Get the fuck off me!" You know what I mean? She was devastated and horrified that you couldn't get it up. She was somebody that had a serious disease that, like a deform, like she probably felt like a deformed person. Even though you saw her as like the way you described her, if she would hear this, she probably like she probably needs mental help too because she probably would never in her wildest. 
fantasy believe the story from this side of it. Do you understand? She does not see it this way. If she would have known and been in your head and knew that how you just described her, she would have been still horny for you and let her fuck you. But the minute you couldn't get it up, she had that scar. She had that disease. I mean, like that she had hardcore self-esteem issues and I totally understand why as a woman you have to understand her looks her body they're on display it's a very different thing women are much they have a lot more to be self-conscious about you know and so that woman even though as hot as she was she was so self-conscious and then you just like whatever story she was telling herself about not being hot you just solidified it by not being able to get it up do you understand so she went into her dysfunction you went into your dysfunction and actually for the first time in your life you were able to push through your dysfunction and you got it up and then you fuck her and now you feel like you raped her so it's just like there's it's a no-win situation (laughs) with you that should have been a positive story that you could look back and be like i was able to get it up then but no it's like negative because you feel like to this day you like raped her that's like that's that's really like a strong word. And maybe there's going to be people saying, oh, he did rape her. Like, go fuck yourself. Like, you did not rape her, okay, at all. She still slept with you. She went out to eat with you. She didn't, like, you know, I mean, what was going on there? You know, you were just two people with issues. And the fact that she still won't talk to you means her issues are as deep as yours. And, you know, there's a reason why people like that are attracted to each other. Like attracts like, I always say. <laughs> The borderline personality girl. I mean, come on, TJ. I'm glad you're in therapy, okay? Thank you. You need that therapy. You need like hard. Are you with like a psychoanalyst? Like you need a hardcore psychoanalytical kind of therapy. That's a very good uh, way. uh, That's like just a very good modality of like therapy. Yes, well, actually, <laughs> this may come as a surprise. I have a degree in clinical psychology myself, and I had gotten licensed as a marriage and family therapist in the Texas, in the, uh, uh-huh. uh, where I was, and my second wife had been my therapist. And nine months after I ended therapy with her, uh, her husband left her, and our relationship turned romantic. So oh, that was a whole another uh, chapter of my life, but um, but as a result of all my training and the fact that uh, I I actually went to therapy for the first time when I was 19 in college, and I've been in and out of therapy for the rest of my life. I, I'm kind of a tough client in therapy, and uh, my second wife was really the only one who was able to affect any really significant change for me, and and all the others have been kind of disappointing i'm amazed that i still have so much faith in it after all those experiences well you're still trying to figure it out and i think that that's the good part that's like positive thank god you have that part of you that keeps trying to figure out what's going on with you yeah i don't know anything else to do actually no but i think that that, you need a therapist the royal road to uh change in feelings and thoughts it's therapy yeah, but I mean, I have had a m- many therapists in my life, and I feel like the the one that changed me the most, and she was extremely, they're very expensive, was a hardcore psychoanalyst, like yeah. psychoanalysis, you know? That was, Multiple this bitch times was a like, week on the couch. Three t- absolutely, yes. It was like nothing I had ever experienced before. She really, like, literally changed my life, and it was like, very, like I said, very expensive, multiple times a week, and it was, uh, but amazing and they're hard to find but i always tell people like if you're looking for a therapist it's like a boy it's like it's you know so when you're gonna date like i mean you know the one when you meet them and it takes a while there's most people out there are not that great it's not a surprise that somebody with issues winds up with a fucking degree right because a lot of people get into that profession because they have their own problems and they're trying to figure it out you know what i mean they're analytical to begin with because they're analyzing themselves right so they figure i'll go help other people so uh, therefore a lot of psychologists are nuts okay <laughs> like he's, <laughs> some of them the, the, there's it's like that 90 10 rule that i always say 90 percent of every 
thing is garbage and 10% is great. And you just have to wait until you find the therapist that lives in the 10%. A psychoanalysis. So like I said, I use that word reframing. You have to like, that's the kind of shit you need to start talking about with in therapy. You need to bring up these stories. And I really think you could bring your dick back to life with like therapy. I think it's not, I think the physical thing is a part of it, but I think it's mental. And, and that's a hard, that's something that absolutely can make you go numb. Women and men, you know, depression or any kind of stuff like that. So you have some deep seated things, right? Going on that you need to uncover. Um, and I think psychoanalysis can take you there. I love, listen, I love where this podcast went. I, I we're at an hour now, and I always cap them at an hour. I wish we started with this from the beginning, because we wasted our time talking about these stupid stories. I have a lo- enough people calling in to tell me hot sex stories of the crazy. You can't even believe the people that call me, and I get this really good shit. You know, this stuff that me and you talked about. I love because I think it's common. I mean, not like everybody experiences this, but there are people out there that are in your oh, exact boat. Nobody else. Is- going through this well just so you know there are okay uh, many people and i feel like people or they know somebody or they've been with somebody you know or their husband's like this or their wife is like you know and it's just it's really int- it's a really interesting topic and uh i uh i love this kind of stuff because i think it's so interesting because i i want you to get help like i like to do my show to actually help people and i think that uh if i could motivate you to find a new therapist who is a psychoanalysis that you could start talking about that rape thing and your first experiences and why you couldn't get it up and try to figure it out with someone super smart that's really fucking good uh i think it would be really helpful and i'd love to see how that works for you because i want you to get better you're still really alive as long as you're that. alive. You know what I mean? I don't know what the fuck I'm going to title this or how I'm going to do it, but this is a good, this is this was really interesting. This You'll is the kind of podcast something. I love. What? You'll come up with something. I will for sure. Thank you so much for calling in and please keep me posted. Okay. You know, like for, for real about the fact that you're going to look for somebody and do something, like something, something different than what you've been doing than just accepting your situation. Do you understand? Thank you. Yeah. All right, TJ, good luck with everything. Thank you very much. If I hear from anyone, if anyone emails me because they've been in your position, right, either with physically or mentally and they have a cure and they email me, I'll send it your way. <laughs> I would love that. Okay, thanks for calling in and being so honest. Thank you. Bye, TJ. Bye-bye. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.